Samuel chapter 16, and we're beginning a brand new series, and I've entitled this series, Truth and Dare. Now, I know that, you know, a lot of times people think, well, I remember when I was a kid, there was a, there was a game that, uh, or some type of thing that was similar to this. This isn't truth or, this is truth and, because the whole, the whole premise behind this is that as a Christian, we are engaged in this battle, this spiritual battle, and so the series is to help us. How many of you feel that every week you find yourself fighting against something, right? If you're a Christian and you're living for the Lord, then chances are your hand went up. Uh, if you've laid down your weapon and, and you've, you've ceased to fight the, the good fight of faith, the chances are you're not engaging, but if you're living for the Lord, then you're probably experiencing something in your life. And today's lesson is kind of an introductory type lesson, but notice there, it's, I've entitled it, Dare to Answer God's Call. So what we have, look here, is we have God's Word. That's the truth, right? Is this a Baptist church? God's Word is the truth? Amen. All right, that's what I thought, okay? And, and so here's the thing is, we have the truth. So what are we going to do with it? Well, we're going to dare to answer God's call, all right? So we're going to use as an illustration this morning from the Word of God, 1 Samuel 16 and the life of David. And I want you to see here in these first verses as we read in chapter 16, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Now, we all, I'm not going to back up, we all know the history of how that, that Israel, the, the, the people of God, they wanted to be, and by the way, this isn't a good thing, but they wanted to be like all the nations and the people around them that had kings that were ruling over them. And so they said to, to God's man at that time, they said, we want a king also. Well, the, the truth is, God wanted to be their God. He didn't, they didn't need a king, they needed God, you understand? And the same thing is true in our lives today. God established government for order in our world, but really what we all need is we need God because man makes mistakes. And so the, the passage begins with the fact that God is reminding us that he has rejected Saul. And here's why, because Saul wasn't obedient to the Lord. Uh, Saul didn't do what God wanted him to do, and because of that, it's sad, but God had rejected him, which we understand is the consequence of sin. Now, let's read on. He says in verse number one again, he says, seeing I have re rejected him from reigning over Israel, so he says, fill thine horn with oil, talking to Samuel, and go, I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord and call Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. So at this time, Samuel doesn't even know who that is. He just knows that he's supposed to go find Jesse, call Jesse to the, to the uh, sacrifice, and then from there God would, would show him or direct him. In verse number four, Samuel did that which the Lord spake, came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? 
And he said, peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them uh, to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me, uh, before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the, the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now when we look at this passage and what is around it, probably more what is after this particular passage, I think about how in, in this world today, and even in 2019, I believe this with all my heart that God is still calling people to serve Him. Uh, I believe that God still wants to call more people to, to serve Him with their lives. Now, God doesn't certainly call everybody into what we would maybe call full-time ministry, but how many of you believe that God saved you and He left you here to serve Him? How many of you believe that? And, and here's the issue, though, is that as God is still calling people, many do not hear God's call, and many do not heed God's call. Uh, sometimes God uh, speaks to us, and it, instead of us responding, instead of answering that call, we're kind of like we are whenever our, our cell phone rings. What is the first thing we do? We look to see who's calling us. How many of you are like me? If your phone says unknown, you don't answer it. Anybody else like that? I figure to myself, if it's somebody that I need to talk to, they'll leave a message, I'll call them back, you know? But for, you know, for our church family and that, I, I always try to make sure I have you in, programmed into my phone because I want to make sure I get those phone calls. But there's a lot of people that try to call for various reasons. And to be honest with you, a lot of it, I don't even need to waste one minute talking to them. But isn't it, isn't it interesting how sometimes if, we, if, if it were to happen this way, that if we see on our phone as it's ringing, we were to see for the name God. Now, a lot of us would probably be like they were when Samuel showed up. Are you coming peaceably? <laughs> are, God, are you calling me for a good reason? But how many of you know that if you're one of his children, if he calls, you should answer, right? Amen. 
And this morning, God may just want to speak to you about something. You know, that's why we come to church, is because we come to God's house, so that not so that we can hear from the preacher, we come so we can hear from God, so we can hear a word from the Lord. I love this verse here that I think applies to our passage this morning in Revelation 3.20. The, the Bible says in the last book of our Bible, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's what the Bible says. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, notice the words, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. And you know why we don't oftentimes have the fellowship with God that we should? Because we hear him knocking, but we won't open the door. We won't let him in. It's kind of like the Christmas story that Mary and Joseph, they were looking for a place that Mary could deliver the Christ child, and there was no room anywhere they went. You know, no vacancies. Uh, you know, we have no place in our, in our lives for God. And, and we see this morning that as you think about this matter of, of, of listening to the call of God, answering the call of God, or daring to answer the call of God, David was one of those that did. And that's why I want to start with this particular lesson this morning, because there's some things about David that I think will help us when it comes to the call of God for us, for our lives. And I want you to notice it all begins with David's preparation. Now, there's a lot of places in the Bible where we could go to this morning where we can see God having prepared a place, listen now, God preparing a place for a particular person. I believe with all my heart that it was God's call on my life to come to Pembroke Pines, Florida. I believe God prepared this place just for me. And you have to believe, because you're here this morning, that God had prepared this church just for you. And, and when I look at the Word of God, I see a lot of great examples. One of them that came to my mind was Joseph. I mean, you think about all that Joseph went through with his brothers and how they threw him in a pit, then they sold him into slavery, and then even when he came out of slavery, he ended up in prison. And the whole time, God's people were in a strange land, and in the end of his life, he meets with his brothers. Remember that scene, reading that many times? If you're reading Bible reading for the New Year started in Genesis, you're probably not there yet unless you're a speed reader, but that's in chapter 50. In verse number 20, it says, as he tells his brothers, as for me, ye thought it evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. See, look, a lot of times we don't realize when God calls us, God already knows what he's going to do with us. God has already, he's got a plan for our lives. He's got a purpose for our lives. Just like I believe for Bible Baptist Church 2019. God's already got a plan for our church for this year. God's already got a purpose for our church. And when I say church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about you and me this morning. And as I think about Joseph, he reminds me of David. Listen to this. David learned lessons as a son and as a servant before he became a sovereign. See the order there? There has to be a time of preparation. Uh, a lot of times we, I would talk to Bible college students over the years and, and teenagers that were praying about preparing their lives. 
and a lot of them, they wanted, they're like, boy, I just want to go in the ministry. I just want to preach the Word of God, but they didn't want to take the time to prepare. How many of you think that if you're going to have a nice meal, you might have to take some time to prepare it, right? Anybody ever had some tough meat? You know, and you're like, okay, somebody didn't take the time to season this stuff and to prepare it. Whenever I, whenever I usually do something with meat, a lot of times I'll get a fork out, and I'll, I mean, I'll stab that thing to death. I mean, I'm like stabbing and stabbing, and then I'll, I'll use some seasoning, and a lot of times I'll let it marinate overnight because I want it to be just right. I want it to be tender. Well, look, there has to be the preparation. David, David had to learn how to be a good son, and he had to learn how to be a servant before he could lead. And the same thing is true in your life today. Is you've got to learn to be a good son or daughter of God, and you've got to learn how to serve the Lord. And if you can do that, watch this. God may just, in, your, in his timing, allow you to lead for him. Now, it may not be uh, pastoring a church, it may, but it, it may be in some capacity that God could use you God was preparing David, and David in his life, he learned those valuable lessons. Somebody says, you have to learn to follow before you can ever lead. You have to. And, and the key is, is that when you think about it, if, you, if you've ever seen some of the biggest skyscrapers in our nation and, and even other places, I, I think Dubai's got some of the largest, tallest buildings, I think, in the world. And, and I see those buildings, those massive, tall buildings, you know what the key to those buildings are? The foundation. The foundation. Having the proper foundation. And, and there has to be the preparation or those buildings won't stand. And in the beginning of David's life, it was a time that God used to prepare one thing, which became the foundation for David's life. Listen to this. God was preparing David's heart. Because out of the heart comes all the issues of life. God looketh on the heart. Man looketh on the outward. You know, boy, look at Eliab. Boy, look how tall he is. Man, look at all those muscles. God says, nope, he's not the one. Brother by brother, nope, not him. How'd you like to be one of Jesse's sons and God refers to you as this? He says, nope, he says, I don't want this. That's what, he, that's what, he, that's what the Bible calls them, right? And so when you think about it, and here comes David, you know, David would have been, if it would have been a yearbook, David would have been the one that would have had the caption over him that would have said, least likely to succeed. Because the Bible says he was young, he was ruddy. I mean, there was nothing spectacular about him. I mean, even his own brothers, we know how his brothers looked at him, you know? I mean, we all know if, if you were the oldest, if you weren't the youngest in your family and you had siblings... You know, I, I know how you look down because I was the youngest of four. I know how older siblings look down at the younger ones. Some of you, I can tell by the look on your face, you were the oldest in your family. You know, you just look down at your younger brother, younger sister. And that's kind of the way David's brothers were. But, you know, listen, the only thing that matters this morning is that God was preparing David. And how did that happen? As God was working on his heart, notice two things was, one, David learned to know God. To know God. Look, you can be in church, you can even be a Christian, but you cannot, sometimes I've been around some Christians, you start talking to them about the Lord and they, they really don't have the foggiest idea 
about God. I mean, they know him, they're saved, but they really don't know him in a personal abiding way. And, and it's so important this morning that we understand that this needs to be a year where God prepares our hearts. Well, the only way that's going to happen is if we get to know God better. You know, I, I, I know that, uh, it, you know, my, my wife and I, we've been married, this will be, I think, 34 years. Yeah, she's smiling. I think I'm right. 34 years. But I'll tell you this, I know her way better now than I did 34 years ago. You know, because we've spent time together. How are you going to get to know God better this year? You have to spend time with Him. That's the only way you're going to have that relationship. And I love what, when it talks about David's life, 1 Samuel 13, 14, look at it, it says, now, now thy kingdom shall not continue. He's talking to Saul, and he says, the Lord has sought a man, sought him a man after his own heart. David had the heart of God. You know, that, that's what I want. It's not what Dane Keeley wants for his life or for this church. I want to have a heart after God. I want God's heart. Uh, Lord, what do you want for our church? What do you want for my family? What do you want for my life? That's the way all of us need to be. And the only way we're going to have that is to have this relationship, this personal relationship with him. When I think about knowing God, the question this morning that you ought to ask yourself, and I'm talking seriously, is how well do you know God? I mean, listen, the, the, the NFL playoffs started yesterday. And I, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You know, when you, when you stop and think about some of these guys, and I, listen, I love sports, but I've been around some guys that know every stat about, every, about their favorite teams and who won the Super Bowl back in 1937 and who was a part of the dream team and all this. And I'm thinking to myself, seriously, you know all of that stuff? How much do you know about God? I think knowing God is way more important than knowing about some sports team, some sports figure. We, we spend our, our lives sometimes on things that are so trivial, but what we need to know is we need to know uh, everything that we can about God. Because, listen, there's a big difference between knowing about God and actually knowing God. There's a big difference. And the only way that we can know Him is through two avenues. One of them is through knowledge, and the other one is through a daily walk. And David was preparing himself, and God was working on David's heart, and David's preparation with God actually led to David's placement by God. See, God was the one that said, this is the one, Samuel. This is the one that I have chosen. See, Samuel didn't even have a say in it. God says, he's the one. Anoint him. And so we find that David learned to know God, but look at letter B, he learned to use his gifts. And you think to yourself, and we all know David was a shepherd, right? And that was his trade, that was his life at this particular junction in his life. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, 18, then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Now, you remember how Saul, Saul was struggling in his spirit, you know, and Saul, Saul was, you know, if you ask me, Saul was bipolar. That's what he was, you know. He, he was nice one minute, and he was just the opposite the next minute. And, 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 and so, 
you know, they realized even back then that, that oftentimes music, playing an instrument or something, could have the effect of calming even the savage beast. And somebody says, hey, you know, I know this, this young boy. And, and it's interesting, he could play an instrument well, but he was also a man of war. What a, what a contrast. But nonetheless, David had some gifts, and he used those gifts. He sharpened those skills, the combat and the musical skills when he was a young man. Now, think about this. The, the using of those gifts when he was young, what did that do for him? Here's what it did. I hope you don't miss this. It opened opportunities later in his life using those gifts. Uh, many times here at the church, I've gone to the passage and passages, and I've talked to many of you about the gifts that God gives to us. Because if you're a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gifts each one of his children. God gives to us pneumaticos, spiritual gifts. God wants us to use those gifts for him. Now, on top of those spiritual gifts, there's other things, talents and abilities that God gives to us. And a lot of times I'll say in church, I'll say something like this, or I might say to you privately, hey, listen, why don't you think about joining the choir? And people look at me and they'll laugh and say, Pastor, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Well, then carry a bucket with you up there, you know? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So listen, we've got to use our talents and our ability. Not everybody can play a drum. You know, I don't dare to play one. But I know someone here in the church that can play one. You know, and I appreciate the fact that he's even taken the time to show uh, some other folks that might have an interest, you know, and maybe we'll have someone else someday that'll step in and grab those sticks and play it. I don't think they'll play like he'll play, but they'll, they'll, they'll play that drum for the Lord. And listen, we have to understand that David sharpened his skills. And I love this verse. Look at it in your notes. Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Do you get the, do you get the meaning of that verse? That God gives us the gifts and the abilities that he gives to us. And David David used his gifts, and he used them for the Lord. And what happened? It brought him before a king. It brought him to places that he would have never gone before. See, listen, when we use what God has given to us, we have no idea what God is going to do with us and how that later on in life, you know, I remember whenever I was kind of hunting around trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, I was uh, close to the age of 20, I had gone to school, and at that time in my life, I, I swore that I would never go to college. I said, I, I'm done with school, I'm done with education, I'm done with teachers, testing, I mean, the whole ball of wax, and I said, I'll never go to college, and you have to be careful in life when you say never. And then God, God saved me when I was 20, and then God called me to preach, and I ended up going to college. But before all that happened, I remember that God providentially, now I didn't know it at the time, but my father was a construction worker all of his life. My dad knew how he had a trade. My dad finished drywall for a living. And I remember that I never had an interest in what he did. But then one day when I was trying to decide what, what to do with my life, I didn't realize it, but it was the Lord that prompted me to ask my dad about working with him. 
When I asked my dad if I could, if, if, there, if his company would hire me, my dad looked at me and he says, you, you want to do construction? And I said, yeah. And because of my dad's reputation, my dad actually got me a job working for the same company that he was working for. Little did I know that God was going to use that trade to get me to provide for my family, to get me through Bible college, and to get me into the ministry. I, I, I was at one time I was going to make up little business cards that said something like, "Have mud will travel." They called joint compound mud, and 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 I said I have the greatest job in the world because I get to play in mud all day, you know. It was just white mud. And, and, and honestly, I had no idea, but I'm going to tell you something. I can't even think about how many churches and how many Christians' homes over the years that I've fixed a hole or I've done this or I've done that for them. And it, to me, it's been a blessing to, to just use the gifts that God has given to us. And that's what David did. David, David sharpened those. Can I tell you, it's our responsibility, yours and mine, to develop the gifts that God gives to us so that we can be used by the master. God wants to use our lives, but look what it says in Matthew 25, 28. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath 10 talents for unto every one that hath shall be given and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Now, I don't wanna get dogmatic about this. I've heard people say this. I don't know how much, to what degree this is, but I've heard many times that if we don't use the talents and the gifts God gives to us, then God may just take those gifts away. I've never used that as a, something to beat people over the head with it, but I will tell you this, I believe with all my heart that the gifts God gives to us are to be used for the Lord, to edify, to build up the church of God and when we use it, God is pleased. And when we don't use it, God is not pleased at all. Because God gives those to us. God gifted David. And David realized in his life, as God was working on his heart, God was preparing him that here's the reason why. Look at number two. We see David went from a time of preparation to a time of dedication. See, preparation proves useless. I mean, we can prepare all we want unless it's accompanied by dedication. Um, you know, kind of, kind of. last night, it had been, been an interesting week. I mean, preparing for today, Vision Sunday. And uh, it, honestly, it's just been a spiritual battle all week, uh, just trying to study and prepare and prepare my heart, prepare the messages. And, and I, I appreciate all of you that pray for me on a constant basis. But last night, I just felt like, you know, I just need a, I need a, I need a break. So I got home last night after spending, I don't know how many hours here. And I got home last night and I decided I was going to turn on and watch America's team. You know who that is, Tim? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not the Patriots. <laughs> and you know, I was, I was watching that and I was thinking to myself, how ridiculous would it have been if those two teams last night would have practiced all week long and then basically came out at the, at the, 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 the tossing of the coin in the beginning of the game and not had any passion to play that game, it would have been a very, very boring game. 
I would have probably turned it off. Because all the preparation in the world has to be accompanied by some dedication. You see, there has to be something in the heart of a person. You can prepare your heart all you want, but if you don't do something with what God has given to us, God calls us to do specific tasks. Some of the things that God wants us to be dedicated to this year is, and I know you're here on the first Sunday of the year, God wants us to be dedicated to church attendance, and God wants us to be dedicated to reaching the lost, and God wants us to be dedicated to living holy lives, and God wants us to be dedicated to being godly parents, and God wants us to be dedicated to caring for one another, and on and on and on. God wants there to be a dedication in our lives. Many people are students of the Word. Listen, they're students of the Word, but they're not preachers of the Word. What I mean by that is this, is that as we study and as God gives us something, what good is knowledge, what good is the Word of God if we don't share it with someone else? That's one of the reasons God's left us here. I, I don't really understand it other than the fact that I know God chooses to use human instrumentality. In other words, God wants to use you. God wants to use me. And if we prepare ourselves and our heart is right with God, the very purpose of preparation is use, doing something with what God has prepared us for. So notice about David, letter A. David was diligent on the job. I mean, David, even when he was, as we would maybe put it, just a little shepherd boy, David took it very, very seriously. Very seriously. I look at his life, David, he wasn't just a shepherd, he, he truly protected the sheep. David put his life on the line even when a lion and a bear came to get the sheep. Look at the Bible says here in 1 Samuel 17, 37, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. See, as believers, we need to be diligent in performing the tasks that God's given us. Sometimes we think to ourselves, well, you know, we, we think, well, that's just a, a, a little obscure kind of thing. That doesn't really matter much. Listen, everything matters to God. Everything. Do you know somebody has to put those envelopes in the backs of those chairs and a pen there? Somebody has to vacuum the floor. Somebody has to clean the, the fingerprints on the, on the glass windows and the mirrors in the bathrooms. Somebody has to scrub the toilets. And a lot of times we think, well, those are just little insignificant jobs. Aren't you glad somebody does those things? See, there is something for all of us to do, and we have to be like David. We have to be diligent on the job. The Bible says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. What's your, you know, for God this year, what is your hand going to find to do for God? Because the Bible says, do it with thy might, for there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where thou goest. In other words, look, it's going to be too late then. God says, what are you doing for me today? Are you being diligent today? The Bible says in Luke 16, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. David was diligent. He kept the flock of sheep. Uh, even when a lion and a bear came. And watch this now. Because he was diligent and faithful, 
when the lion and the bear came, because God had prepared his heart, listen to this, God then entrusted David with a larger task. Now, David would not just be keeping sheep, animals, but he was going to keep the flock called the nation of Israel, the people of God. You know, if you'd asked me years ago, if you would have said, do you think you'll ever pastor a church? I would have laughed at you. You know, I couldn't even take care of myself. Sometimes I still can't, you know. I get up and get dressed in the dark. A lot of times on Sunday, my wife will walk in and she'll say, why are you wearing that? I say, because I got dressed in the dark, you know. Nobody picked my outfit out, you know. But, but here's the thing is, when we think about our lives, we have to be diligent on the job. Because if we're diligent in the least, then God just might entrust us with more. And I know some of us sometimes say, well, listen, I don't know if I want more. It's exciting when God gives you more. It's exciting when God says, listen, you've been faithful in the least. I want to I trust you with more. Sometimes people say, boy, I wish God would give me more money. What are you doing with the money God's given you now? Because again, if you're, if you're not even giving God what is rightfully his, by the way, it's all his, but if you're not even giving God 10%, according to the Bible, you're robbing from God. Those are harsh words, but that's what Malachi wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand this morning that we have to be faithful. We have to be diligent. F.B. Meyer said, don't waste time waiting and longing for large opportunities which may never come, but faithfully handle the little things that are always claiming your attention. What are you doing with the little things? You know, And God says, listen, be diligent on the job like David. And then notice letter B. David also fulfilled his responsibilities. One thing I love about David, he did what his daddy asked him to do. He was faithful. His father said, listen, I want you to keep the sheep. David kept the sheep. He said, David, I want you to go where your brothers are, and I want you to take them some food. David could have said, Dad, don't you know how they treated me? Don't you know how they've been to me? Let them starve to death, right? That's the way a lot of us would be. But David did what he was asked to do. He fulfilled his responsibilities. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, 11, Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Even David, listen, his one responsibility at that time was to watch the sheep. But if you remember what happened was, that Samuel sent for Jesse, or, or for, for David, but David was watching the sheep. Now, if you've ever seen this, and I have seen a shepherd in real life that is leading some sheep around, and I've never seen more than one shepherd per flock. It's always just one. So if David left to come to Samuel, he would have had to leave the sheep right? Are you with me this morning? He would have had to leave the sheep all alone. Would you think that's a good shepherd if he leaves the sheep? No, because sheep need to be led. They need a shepherd. They need an overseer. And so David took his responsibility very seriously. And so that what I find is David didn't abandon his current responsibility, and that was caring for the sheep. What did David do? Well, he realized, if I'm going to go then I've got to get someone that's going to care for the sheep in my absence. Look what it says in 1 Samuel 17, 20. David rose up early in the morning, 
and he left the sheep with a keeper. Everybody see that? David didn't leave the sheep all alone. He took his responsibilities very seriously. He fulfilled his responsibilities. God calls us to be dedicated in every task that he gives to us, whether it's something that's menial or whether it's something that is very significant. The only thing God requires from us is one thing, obedience. And if we are obedient to God, the results of our obedience will be determined by God. You think about how blessed David was. You know why he was blessed? Because he obeyed his dad, and because he learned to obey authority, when God began to deal with him, he obeyed God. You see, I, I see so many young people today that disrespect their parents, and you find a child that disrespects their parents, guess what? They're also going to disrespect any authority in their lives. They're never going to respect a police officer. They're never going to respect their boss at work. And that's the generation that we're seeing in this day that we live in. See, David was one that was prepared by God, and he was dedicated to what God had called him to do. But then notice, thirdly, and this is what I love here, is as we prepare ourselves and we dedicate ourselves to what God has called us to, then notice David's revelation. I want you to see in chapter 16, look in your Bible in verse number 12. The Bible says, And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So God here in this passage and in our lives too, God promises to show us as his children what we are supposed to do and when we are supposed to do it. But it's interesting when you look at this, it, it, I thought back to the servant in the Old Testament in Genesis 24 where the passage says, remember how he was instructed to go find a wife for his master's son? And the servant didn't even know who he was looking for but the one thing I love about him was his statement, I being in the way, the Lord led me. Sometimes, listen, that, that's a great way for us to live our lives. God, what do you want me to do? You know the best way to find out what God wants you to do? Be in the way. You know, I've told this story before, but when I asked my father-in-law if I could marry his daughter, and the man literally told me I had to wait three days for an answer, I made sure that I was in the way. I thought, he's going to get sick of me, and he's just going to say, yeah, you can marry her. You know. So, I mean, every day I was over there. Every day I sat positionally that when he got up to go get a glass of iced tea that he had to step over me. You know, I literally was in the way. If I could have, I would have laid down on the ground. You know? And the servant says, I, I, I was in the way. One of the hardest things for us to do as believers is to wait on God. Have you ever had to wait on God? You know, I'm not a patient person. I really struggle waiting on the Lord. I mean, before God led us to Florida, I remember my wife and I, and I remember the, the period, the time of waiting. God, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? Some of you this year might find that God might have you wait on something. And you're going to have to learn to be patient and when I think about David, it, look at this verse, Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Brother Gabriel and Marie Smith back here, 
over a year. They had no idea why God was allowing them to go through what they went through. But you know what they did? They patiently waited on the Lord. And here they are today. In our lives, God is going to have us to wait. And notice, first of all, David waited for God's timing. David waited for God to lead him. See, we get in trouble when we don't let God lead. Uh, how many of you struggle when you were a kid playing the game, follow the leader, right? Why do we, somebody came up with that game. It was no accident that somebody came up with a little bitty kid's game called follow the leader because they're trying to teach children at a very young age to follow the instructions that were given to them. And, and we see here that David, he was anointed. Remember, David was anointed the next king. Let me ask you this question this morning. Was David made king right after he was anointed? There was a period of waiting, wasn't there? David could have easily assumed the leadership, but he was careful in his life to not get out in front of God. David decided, listen, God's the one that anointed me, and I'm just going to have to wait for God to give me the green light. Look what the Bible says in Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. David waited on God's timing. I wonder this year, if God, if God is preparing you for something, are you going to have the dedication to that which God's called you to? And are you willing to wait on God's timing? Then notice letter B, David not only waited, but he accepted God's commission. Again, there's a large difference between knowing what God wants you to do and then ultimately doing what God wants us to do. David was willing to wait. And David began to view things differently than he had ever before. No longer was he just a, a shepherd. And one of, the, one of the things I found in my life, and this is so true, one of the greatest ploys of the devil is procrastination. I mean, listen, we, we are constantly putting things off. And uh, I think even this New Year, one of Satan's goals is for us to start reading our Bible next year and not this year. Uh, don't become a procrastinator. Be like David and be eager to serve the Lord immediately. But here's the key. David didn't know what and when. He just knew that the time was going to come. David was eager to do that. He was willing to do that. He waited on the Lord for God to show him the full plan. But while he was waiting on God to show him that full plan, guess what he did? He served God anyway. That's what we need to do in this new year. When God calls us to do his will, we need to understand God has made us. He saved us for a purpose. And so here's the lessons from David's life. We need to dare to answer the call of God. In other words, let God prepare our hearts. And let's be dedicated to whatever it is God calls us to this year. And in, in God's timing, God will show you what that is. And I'm going to tell you something. When God does show you, it'll be exciting. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in my life this year. I hope that you will allow God to show you what he wants for you this year. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. We look forward to great things today and in this coming year. Lord, we thank you for the great God that you are. Bless the word of God this morning as it's been applied to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.